and blessings, everyone. I'm Aziza, and welcome to another piping hot episode of Hot Tea. Before we dive into today's content, I just had a quick announcement that I wanted to make. There is now an official email account for the podcast. That's hottea at gmail.com. If you guys have any questions, concerns, comments, requests, constructive criticism, non-constructive criticism, hate mail, whatever you got, bring it over. I would love to hear from you guys. There's also an IG account set up, hot underscore T underscore Aziza. This is episode number four. For any of you who listened to the first episode of the podcast, I briefly mentioned that I am a homeschool mother. And I felt as though this would be a really good topic to get into. The reasons why I chose to homeschool, not so much for you guys to have some kind of insight into my life, but more for reflection and to ponder, especially if you have children in this day and age, it can be very scary and very intimidating and kind of leave you feeling as though you're not well equipped. As a parent, we are entrusted by the one who created us. We are entrusted and it is incumbent upon us to safeguard and protect our children by any means necessary. And one of the ways we can do that is through proper education and nurturing. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and sip on some hot tea. From preschool all the way until sixth grade, I was in a private Lutheran institution. It had no more than maybe 200 students, and the class sizes were maybe about 10 to 12 kids. And those 10 to 12 kids were your cohort. So every grade that you went through, it was the same kids. You really got to know each other very well. And you got to know the teachers well because at the beginning of every school year, they would come to your home, see your rooms, sit down with you and your families, and uh, really get to know you. So it, it really created a community kind of environment. Well, when I got to sixth grade, I looked around and said, mm, there's no one here that looks like me. And my parents, being the people that they were, they made note of that. Of course, obviously they had the reasons for sending me to private school. But they said, you know what, you're old enough to make that kind of decision on your own. If you want to try out public school, you most certainly can. So I did. Seventh and eighth grade, those were my first years of public school, and it was quite the experience. Um, I haven't really shared this with many people in its entirety. I've shared bits and pieces. But those two years of middle school, I was bullied and sexually harassed. I used to dread getting on the bus to school because I knew the perpetrators, there was a high probability that they would be on the bus if they were attending school that day. And, you know, it, it would just be comments about my physical appearance or not letting me sit in a seat or intentionally sitting next to me just to bully me. 
Now at that time, oh, you know, it, it's okay. He he likes you, but it's 2020, so maybe we know better now. I don't know. <laughs> I question that at times. And in my school, there was a long hall that wrapped around the entire school. And before school, all the kids would walk the hall and just kind of socialize and talk to each other, whatever. So I'd be walking down the hall, uh, locking arms with my, my girlfriends. And boys would come up and whisper things. Sometimes the same boys, sometimes not. Whisper things and uh, do inappropriate things or say inappropriate things. And at that time, I, I thought it was normal. I didn't necessarily like it, but I thought it was normal and something that you should want uh, from a boy. That kind of behavior. There was one incident in particular. There was a, a boy that I had liked, and we would, you know, write notes to each other or whatever. You do a little talking on the phone thing. And one day we were in computer class together, and he came up, pretended that he was wanting to talk to me, and he grabbed me on my chest in front of the whole class. Uh, the teacher was like in the back of the room, so he didn't see it. But I was mortified. I was angry and I was very embarrassed and I felt violated. That most definitely um, didn't feel like something that I wanted. So I stewed on it and I found him at the end of the day at his locker. I walked over to him and proceeded to punch him in his face several times. After that, went home and I got a phone call from the vice principal asking me what happened because his mother was uh, pressing charges on the school and on me for a uh, battery or something like that. He ended up getting kicked out of the school because that wasn't that wasn't his first rodeo. And I was charged with a uh, battery. I had never even gotten in any kind of trouble before, ever. <laughs> so it was. And that just shows you the mentality to have, as a female, young female, to be violated, and then it's your fault. Now, anyway, so I had to go to court, do the whole thing, and I went before the judge, and, you know, he read the case, and he was basically like, this is bogus, this is not going on your record. So that was the end of that. High school, I did really well academically, but it was just, there was nothing substantial, I guess you could say. You know, the, the harassment of the abuse, it wasn't, it wasn't nearly as much as it was in middle school. And you just, at least I did, I had the feeling that I was just floating, like, okay, I look back on it, what did I really gain out of those 12 years of schooling? What did I get other than a piece of paper? And that leads me into my first reason as to why homeschool, and that's the system. You're going to hear me talk about the system quite a bit in this podcast because it influences so many things, and education is one of them. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself, 
who is responsible for the curriculums that are taught in the public education system. Those people that are signing off on those curriculums, who gave them to who gave them the authority to say that this is what should be taught in the school? This is what children need to learn. What what's the litmus test for that? What are their intentions? Are their intentions benevolent? Or are their intentions malevolent? Is it harmful? Case in point. It hasn't been that long ago, and you can it's still running around. The whole Thanksgiving story. You know, the Native Americans and the pilgrims, they had a peaceful interaction, and they ate well, and they all had the itis afterward. We, well, we should. We should know better now. And a vast amount of us do know better now. So why was that in the curriculum? I mean, I don't know if it is now. I don't know if they've tweaked it a little bit so it doesn't sound as bad. Whatever. I don't know. But my point is, why was that okay? Why was that in there? Of course, part of it is whitewashing of history. But what's the other piece of that? If you're a child of color and you're flipping through the pages of these history books, it's going to look to you, maybe not consciously, but on a subconscious level, there's no one in here that looks like me. Huh. Well, I guess there's nobody that looks like me that has done anything or that can do anything. Why is it that way? Is it possible that maybe, just maybe, that the education system is designed to give you just enough information to hold down a job? Not necessarily a good job, but just enough information to hold down a job so you can make just enough money to survive, to have just enough money left over, maybe, to be a consumer. Please let me know. Because if you look at what is going on in the United States, people struggling, people struggling in the richest nation in the world, supposedly. How is that possible? How is it possible for there to exist something like uh, tent cities? you know, in Los Angeles and San Francisco where and might I add Seattle, where you see people homeless, living in tents, they have nowhere to go. Why is student loan debt so high? Why are there so many vacancies for jobs but people are not qualified to fill them? What what what's going on? Why is the United States education system at the bottom for Western countries. If you're a parent, you need to be asking these questions. And I'm not trying to sound preachy. I'm trying to sound concerned. Okay? Because, I mean, concerned is an understatement. But it is very concerning and disturbing. So you have you have a school board comprised of people who, you know, they, they check all the boxes, they got all the fancy degrees, they've done all the 
the the psychological courses on the development of children. They know how to do all the admin paperwork. They know how to finagle the uh, the educational system. Where do they come from? Who are they? Do they look like you? Do they look like your children? Do they really have your children's best interests at heart? Do they even know what your children's best interests are? Is the whole point of the education system to bring about or cultivate a well-rounded, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, and physically healthy human being? Or is it about creating worker bees? And I've had people say to me, oh, Aziza, it's not that bad. You know, you went to public school, I went to public school, and we turned out just fine. Did we, though? Did we really turn out just fine? I just expressed to you a pent-up trauma that I didn't even know I had, okay, until I reevaluated myself as an adult. And people talk about bullying all the time as though it's a rite of passage, as though it is something that is healthy. It's not. It's a horrible thing. How how can you say that putting a child through some kind of forced traumatic experience is building character? We should be able to see now that with the rise in suicides and everything, not everybody is cut from the same cloth. So what affected me? might affect somebody else differently. And we need to be mindful of that. So we need to stop this with this dismissive attitude that, oh, well, I went to public school, I turned out okay, and so it's fine for my kids. Now, I understand, and this might rub some people the wrong way, but that's okay, because if you're listening to this, you are looking for authenticity, and that's what I'm about to give to you. Not every parent wants their child to be better than them. Not every parent cares if their child excels and rises above their current condition or adversity. Some parents are okay if their child can just get a job with benefits. And there may or may not be anything inherently wrong with that. I guess that would depend on your perspective and your spiritual, your spiritual interworkings. But if you are not one of those parents who are accepting of mediocrity, then that's something you need to be thinking about. Just because you made it or kind of got through it, in a public institution doesn't mean that your child will. Doesn't mean that they should have to go through that loop. Why risk it? Are you familiar with the Prussian model of education? If you're not, you should be, because that is what the American education system was founded on. It was founded on the Prussian model. And for the sake of time, um, I'm not going to delve into that too much, but I do want to say that it is a system that was established on authoritarian 
ideals, okay? The whole concept of having children stand in a straight line, speak when spoken to, uh, raise your hand, you can't leave the classroom unless this and that. That is all from the Prussian model. And the Prussian model was designed to raise up a militaristic society. It was not to raise up a society of nurturing free independent thinkers. Quite the con quite the contrary. And I just want to plug a book that breaks it down in a wonderful way for any of you who doubt what I'm saying. It's called The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America, and it's by Charlotte Thomas Iserby. She is a former educator, and she also worked for the U.S. Department of Education. She's got uh, quite the, the CV, quite the resume. So if you're ever interested in reading that book or even just skimming through it, it's free on Google, you guys. There is no knowledge that is unknowable in the 21st century. Everything is at the click of our fingers or at the tap of a button or whatever. Yes, it's called The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America by Charlotte Iserby. It's 738 pages. If you're not a reader, reader, if you prefer the audiobook format, um, I'm sure you can probably, you know, find it on YouTube. Somebody has probably recorded it on YouTube, but it, it's a must read to understanding why the American education system is the way that it is. It's not an accident. Uh, the system is not broken. It functions exactly how it's supposed to. And that's something that people need to come to terms with. You hear the excuse all the time, oh, well, if we can just do this, if we just get the right person on the school board, if we just, no. Because when you really start getting into the education system, even at the local level, people are connected, they're well connected, and there's back scratches and favors going on because this current system has to keep going. Okay, if if your children are taught real history, if they're taught uh, real math, if they're taught real life skills, real real music, real uh, physical education, then that becomes a problem because the mentality will change. So, I mean, I could do a whole episode on just the system, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go right to my second reason for homeschooling which is values. Now, I mentioned before that I am a practicing Muslim. So the different things that go on in public school is not something that I wanted to expose my children to. There are different agendas that are being pushed in schools. I, I just mentioned how we don't know who or what is behind the curriculums, and why. We don't know what their real intentions are. So there are things that, that are currently being taught in schools that I did not and don't agree with. And there's something going on right now that is being pushed in schools all over the nation. And I, I don't want to mention it directly because I don't want to give energy to it. But if you have your ear to the ground and you're kind of listening to things, you, you know what time it is. You know what I'm talking about. 
So you have that push. And if I want to teach my children about that, I want to teach them about that from an Islamic perspective. I don't want somebody who is an outsider to have access to my children to influence them in a certain way, because that's what all of this comes down to, to influence children at an early age. Why do you think they have pre-K? Why do you think they have preschool? Is it really about getting children socialized or is it really about planting those seeds of influence that may not necessarily be good influence? Now, I'm not saying all schools are bad. There are some really good schools. And that's another thing that you will hear people say. Oh, well, my kid goes to a great school. Well, where is this great school? Because you always hear people say that. Oh, well, that doesn't happen at my school. Well, does it? Are you sure? Sounds like everybody talks about how great the schools are. But where are they? Where are these great schools? So the values. Manners. My children, the oldest two, six and four, when we were living in Japan, they were in a, a preschool program. And the whole intent was not only to uh, give my husband a break, but just to get them outside of the house. You know, and the, the program was on base, so I figured it couldn't be that bad. But when they started to go, first of all, my kids were sick every week. Like every week they would come home with something, some kind of sniffle, some kind of rash, some kind of weird thing going on. Never, ever sick before, ever. Never any fevers. But when they started attending preschool, that's when I noticed this. And they started bringing home habits, started saying things and uh, acting out certain behaviors that we don't condone that I had never seen before. So I attribute that to being in ugh, a controlled but uncontrolled environment. A pseudo-controlled environment, I should say. And there was an incident in particular where my daughter, she was fed pork without my knowledge. Um, when we first initially did the enrollment for the program, they asked you about dietary preferences, and I put down that, you know, she wasn't allowed to have any pork or pork products. And, of course, that was a whole other separate thing that I had to do. It wasn't that I could just say, you know, write it down and say, hey, my child, because of our religious beliefs and lifestyle, will not be consuming pork products. No, that wasn't enough. I had to go to the chaplain and have have a sit down with the chaplain and then have something written by the chaplain signed with, uh, you know, their seal and everything stating that, yeah, I verify that because of this family's religious beliefs, this child cannot consume pork and pork products. That's pretty crazy to me. What happened to religious choice, freedom of religion? Okay. But I'm not going to go there today. Anyway. So my child was on the list of not being able to consume pork or pork products. Um, she had dietary restrictions. So her lunch would be prepared and served separately. They had ham or whatever for that day. Her lunch would be prepared separately and it would be served separately. So there was no contact whatsoever. 
well, tell me why all of a sudden everybody had amnesia or everybody was new that day and she ate pork. I didn't find out about it until the next day when I came in to pick her up and her teacher had mentioned that, yeah, oops, my bad, Zara had pork that day. So I was a little heated. I was heated because I'm handing over my child in trust to these individuals and just the basic courtesy, like not only did they not take care, they also didn't tell me until the next day. And then we can get into the whole issue of them being overworked, understaffed. I get it. I'm not putting blame on the teacher per se. But again, we come back to that system. So values, um, extremely important to me. Third reason why I homeschool is to foster a better relationship with my children. In public school, they're spending most of their time away from their parents. Because what time does school start? Maybe 8, 8.30, maybe even 9 some places. And the child gets out of school between 2, 3.30. Mom or dad may still be at work. The kid may be dropped off at, you know, some kind of after school program. Or maybe the family is fortunate and the mother works from home or she's a stay-at-home mom. So then maybe she has interaction with, with the child or the children when they come home from school. But again, that, that child or those children still have been gone for the majority of the day, five days a week. Where are they going to get most of their influence from? It's going to be outside of the home. And as they get older, we don't even want to talk about extracurricular activities or when the homework assignments become more in-depth and longer. Then we're talking about the kid is gone from eight to six. After six o'clock, it's time for dinner. It's time to wind down. It's time to go to bed. Wake up. You're not, you may see them. You may not see them. And you start the process over again for the whole week. So what kind of relationship are you really having if your kids are in a public school all day or in a school at all, all day? What kind of relationship are you really having? Especially now with the advent of technology. Everybody's got a phone. Everybody's got some kind of computerized device to keep them entertained, to keep them pacified. So what kind of quality time are you having with your children? Free thinkers. I find that in the school system, imagination and true individuality is stifled. Because if you really think about it, there is no room for that in a traditional school setting. There is no room to let the child grow and be who they are meant to be. Because if a teacher has 25 other kids to essentially babysit or look after, she can't let Johnny build cars and... You know, if Johnny's a little rambunctious, Johnny can't just get out of his seat and go walk around if he needs a break. Johnny needs to sit down with the rest of the kids. 
if Sally likes art, well, Sally's just going to have to wait until art class to pursue that passion. There's no, everybody talks about individuality. You're an individual, be yourself. But are you really when you're in an animal farm? And I mentioned that term earlier. In a traditional school setting, you are literally in an animal farm. You are with the same peers of the same age, all being corralled to do the same thing and act the same way. So how can a child really grow? And how is sending them to school building confidence where you run the risk of them being bullied if they don't fit in? There are going to be cliques in school. And a lot of times, kids, for one reason or another, do not fit in those circles. And they are ostracized. They are bullied. They're made to feel, feel alone. Just look at the rise of suicides in preteens and teenagers. It's egregious. But nobody is talking about why are those things really happening. No one's getting to the root. Everybody wants to put a band-aid on an issue such as preteen and teen suicide. Instead of taking a step back and saying, maybe it has something to do with the education system. I'm just saying, maybe. I didn't say most definitely it does because I know there's going to be some people that feel some type of way about the things I'm saying, and that's fine. Definitely open to discussion for this. So let me just briefly get into the pros and cons of homeschooling. Pros. As I mentioned earlier, spending time with your children, having the freedom, the freedom to teach your children how you want, when you want, and where you want. Also, the freedom to choose the subject material. Say Johnny is weaker in math. You can spend a longer time on math. Or say the math curriculum or the methodology that you're using is not working. You can abruptly stop it and start something else. Remember those cars that Johnny likes? Bring out the cars. Let Johnny build and do his thing. Let his imagination unfurl so he can grow and thrive. Another pro of homeschooling, again, it goes back to building relationships. You spend that time with your children. You really know who they are. And I've noticed with my own children, my oldest is six, and he started reading. And it wasn't something <clears throat> that I forced on him. It wasn't something I said, okay, um, I'm checking my calendar. You got 12 days until you need to learn how to read. You know, you're in first grade now. You need to, it wasn't that. It was just a natural progression for him. And I feel so humbled and so blessed to have been a part of that. Watching him begin his, his school, his learning journey, I should say, from when we started initially last year until now to see the growth and to see the, the wheels turning in his mind, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. It's a really beautiful thing. And had he been in school, I never would have got to witness those milestones. The teacher, who may have the best of intentions, but is overwhelmed with a number of other kids, would not take that to heart, to cherish that moment that 
oh, this child, he's learning how to read. He's picking up on this and that progress. They're not going to take that into account other than, you know, writing it down for a progress report or whatever it is. So to really internalize that and hold his hand in a way as we're walking through this together, that is a beautiful thing. And I see our bond between mother and son growing. And I couldn't be happier, even with the ups and the downs and the trials and the tests of my patience that come with homeschooling. I don't regret a single moment of it because I see that he trusts me and he knows I have his back. And that's something that as your children go through school, it may start to to wane a bit because they're away from you for so long. As parents, we are the front line. Our children need to be influenced by us, not by outside entities. Now, some may see that as being very controlling, but I suggest that I had these children. I put in the blood, sweat, and tears. The creator of the heavens and the earth blessed me with them, not the system. Therefore, they're my responsibility. So if it sounds controlling that I want to be the one to have the most influence over my children, then so be it. Because a society rises and falls at the feet of a woman. And that's just real. Now, let's get into the cons of homeschooling. Patience. It is definitely a test of patience. There are days I'm like, I don't know if we're going to make it through the day. I don't know if I'm ever going to teach you again because this is just not working for me. But we get through it and we get through it in love. And if your kids are in school, that's not going to happen. You're not going to get through it in love because it's a, it's in somebody else's hands and they don't love your children. They may love teaching, but they don't love your children. Another con. Um, sometimes it can be overwhelming because there is, contrary to popular belief and what some people may think about homeschooling, there is an overwhelming amount of information and ways to homeschool your children. And sometimes it can be overwhelming, not to the fact that, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, but the fact that there's so much to choose from. There's a lot of trial and error that takes place. So that also goes into the pro of having the time, the flexibility, because if something doesn't work, we can scratch it off and we can go try something else. Another con is, depending on where you live, certain things may be a little more difficult to do. For us, as an example, we don't have access to maybe go to museums and different outdoor activities like that, which, I mean, everybody's going through it now with the whole pandemic, so that doesn't really matter as much. But you really have to improvise, come up with new ways to keep the children engaged. But that also keeps you on your feet as a parent. So I really can't say that it's so much as a con, but 
it forces you to dig deep and challenge yourself and explore things and do things that you've never thought were possible. Um, I'm a student of Arabic, very novice student, might I add, but I've been able to teach my son the very basics. And I never thought I would be able to do that, but somehow it just came about and we're doing it and it's working. And that leads me to something else that I want to say. As a parent, don't let the system or anyone else question your capability or your adequacies as a parent. You know your children better than anyone. Like I said before, you love them. So if you want to explore homeschooling or even just supplementing your child's education, you should you should do that. But base your decision on what you feel, not what society or family or what anybody else has to say. Because there's a lot of naysayers. And we live in a culture and a society that wants to belittle parents and make them second rate as though their role doesn't matter. But I say take your power back. Unconventional, bold, and unapologetic. If you like your tea hot, join me for new episodes every week. I'm Aziza, the host of Hot Tea.